Abstract Transmissions. Hello, and thank you for listening to Abstract Transmissions today. We are excited to welcome the Libertarian nominee for Vice President of the United States of America in 2020 and the host and co-host of both the Muddy Waters of Freedom and My Fellow Americans podcast. The host and then the co-host. I tried to do that in order. but Respectively, yes. The only thing I ever write <laughs> down, so... <laughs> Zing. Um, so we were just talking about fun stuff, kind of had the ball rolling about, uh, you know, um, being on stage. And it was just a story randomly we were talking about, but I had something to add, but I didn't want to cram it in there. One time I was playing a show and I uh, dropped a bad, bad joke, uh, the stage presence joke. I said, uh, I, uh, I was told we were supposed to have stage presence, but I wrapped them and forgot them at home. And it was just... <laughs> Bad, wow. bad that's a dad joke oh yeah for sure wow. and absolutely I love it. just dead like people are like Ugh. and i've dropped wow. it a few times and it's always a different response like one time i had three kids laughing but they were heavily down the shrooms hole you know what i mean they had eight and a lot and now what and, what what kind of band is is this like an reo speedwagon cover band or oh, is this yeah like those- yes actually that's exactly with a little bit of wow. uh <laughs> speed no that was good i uh we uh, we don't <laughs> I, uh, we don't really have a specific genre. We're trying to figure that out. It's an original band. Uh, I'd say okay. alternative-ish rock. Okay. Uh, but the joke thing, we dropped that in like, a, I dropped that in a couple of different bands. So one was like a really aggressive metal band. Uh, the other one was kind of like this one where it's a kind of like four chord alternative kind of stuff. Um, right. And uh, the band I'm in now is, is Ambient Discord. But when, when we dropped it and it went over kind of, that was a metal band, uh, but that's why <laughs> they were not that expecting like, that. No, no. <laughs> and then subsequently, no, the music after they it was also like, what just happened? So, yeah. so, like, do you do you have kids? I do not. No, you do not. Okay, well, I was gonna say, dad jokes are my favorite kind of jokes of all time, and I feel like I don't know that I I hear anyone who's not a dad ever give dad jokes, and that makes me sad. So dad jokes are a thing that when I hear them, what makes them funny is the confidence of the person saying them that what they said is funny. Yeah. And that's why when people make like dad joke memes and I just read it, I always sad react them on Facebook. Yeah. Like I'm like, I don't want to show that I like I want people to know I'm very upset about this. But when someone says them, and then they got that, you know, that look, and they're like, "Huh, right?" Huh? Like, That's yeah. funny. That makes <laughs> yes. it funny. The 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 usually the guy. I mean, sometimes it's a woman, but the 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 person doing it and is just like, you know, because that's a pun, and it's like, yeah, no, that's good. I get <laughs> it. That's funny. Did but it's because see, of their their enthusiasm. Did you see? There's a meme out there. It's like the men's curling team looks like a bunch of dads who went out like drinking or whatever. And then somehow ended up in the Olympics. You've seen this (laughs) meme. I haven't seen it, but that's, I've seen the curling team before and that's pretty accurate. Yeah. Yeah. It's my favorite. That's one. It's awesome. I have not (laughs) seen it. I, um, you know, being a, a dad of a 10 year old and now all of a sudden I've turned from like, cool. I was cool. You know, I was in a band and, you know, I, I worked for Samsung. I was a field sales manager. Like he used to think everything I did was cool. Now, absolutely nothing is cool anymore. Uh, and uh, it's just lame, dad, lame. So every joke goes 
as such, you know. So well, then you might as well lean into it, right? If that's if, exactly if right. That's if it's already going to be called lame, just tell the corniest jokes you possibly can. Exactly, own absolutely, my friend. <laughs> I uh, I couldn't agree more. Um, I uh, I think that's really the only uh, the way through. And for me, I mean, I just kind of revel in it anyway because it's just he's gonna he's gonna get the. Uh, get the uncomfortable the uncomfortable social situations out of the way you know make them uncomfortable a little bit just push the uh, envelope a little bit that's good. you know because it's like everybody is, is so struggling so much with social anxiety that it's, it's genuinely mm. concerning right and with the advent of you know social media um more and more uh, consumer electronics being directly in front of us at all times like his generation is just no wonder why everybody has social social COVID. We're, we're, we're separating and right. And COVID just uh, accelerated everything, you know, catalyzed everything. And it's just, it's scary as shit when you're a parent. Right. I mean, in, in, in one way, social media has been helpful for introverted people to be able to have connections. Right. But in another way, it has become a replacement for more substantive human connections. Mm-hmm. So it becomes um, and I'm fairly extroverted, um, I, fairly, I'm very extroverted, but I will often find it's like, well, how is this person doing? Oh, they're great. I see their posts occasionally. And you get this sort of false sense of connection when really you're just kind of seeing little snippets. It's nice to be able to keep in touch with so many different people on a micro level, but you're not really checking in with them and having those connections right. and having those conversations. And and before social media, obviously, if you wanted to keep in touch with someone, you at least needed to drop them an email. And before email, you had to give them a phone call or go and visit them and, and you know, or send them a letter or something like that where you had to invest a little bit more time. So everyone has more of these kind of almost fleeting interactions constantly, which can feel like connection. And it's it's a form of connection, but there's something missing there in terms of having like a more substantial connection. And I, I'm not, I'm from that generation who, we were, I was born in 82. So I had a non-internet childhood and then around 13, 12, 13, 14, we got our first internet enabled computer, uh, you know, did, you know, had AOL and the dial up and all that, (laughs) but, and, 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 you know, worked our way. Social media didn't really exist until I was already an adult. And Mm -hmm. I had an actual, like, go outside and play with your friends. Yeah. Actual, like that, that, pretty much an experience that was largely the same um, for, you know, well over 50 years with minor changes or minor, uh, I guess, technological innovations, but the actual structure of what it was like to be a kid was largely the same. And then it radically shifted. I don't know what it's like. I can't imagine what it's like for someone who not only has always had the internet, but has always had smartphones and social media. Um, and that would be a 10 year old, that would yeah. be a, you know, a, a 10, 11 year old kid and younger that that's all they know. They know. And that's, that's crazy. I'm not sure what I think about that. I mean, it's, it's you know, innovation in general is good, but I'm not sure how that, what that's going to look like. Yeah, no, I agree. Well, I think, I think we're seeing what it looks like now with homeschooling and, and zoom school. Oh God. Yeah, yeah now, I, I agree. Mark, I mean, you've had to deal with zoom school. What's yeah. what has that been like? And then Spike, I, I I'm hoping that you can interject on this after we hear Mark's response because being in politics, you must have some sort of um, 
feeling, especially about where, like, because I feel like this whole Zoom thing is very politically driven. And I think that that's very important to discuss. Sure. I'd like to hear uh, Mark's thoughts first, obviously, because he's an actual parent of a child. I mean, it was really challenging. Uh, Luckily, fairly, when when we could do... it's called um, uh, hybrid. We we went that way, and I ended up as soon as I could singing him back. Actually, and it's yeah. funny because a lot of people are like, "How could you do that?" Blah, blah, blah. And I'm actually a little bit more left. I guess I don't know how this got politicized, right? Science and there's so much right. there that yeah. is really really to unpack. That's hard to kind of go into that, right? But right. Uh, and I will because I I think I we, there's been a little dialogue online, but I've seen a lot of uh, what you've wrote and i think your perspective is a little different than mine but i think it's right pretty spot on and i i absolutely respect that um but i definitely want to go into that too uh, before i forget adhd um but when it comes to like gavin i um i uh name drop again i keep on forgetting about that but you know i'm pretty open with my life in general um when he <laughs> went back to school full-time uh it was kind of a breather because at home was so difficult at home was a challenge a lot in the aspect that he needs social interaction a lot. He is, he struggles right. uh, socially in some aspects, but I mean, he lost his, his mom, you know, a couple of years ago. So he, uh, mm. he, he definitely, um, uh, sorry, <laughs> try not to let it, you know, come up each time. Uh, but it is super important to this uh, aspect because he, his only, if you need a His second, only friend it's okay. interaction during that fucking pandemic were kids online, you know? Yeah. And yeah. he looked forward to school actually because of the end of the day where they could all talk and, and that social interaction, but because solely right. because of the social interaction. And then they started like, they didn't have a choice, but to cut off the end. So the kids couldn't talk at the end. And then it's like, that that's what they're like after school at the end of the day, they would all game together. And I thought it was right, great, right. you know, but because of policy, pen, paper, pushing bureaucracy, bullshit, I'm assuming uh, the kids, they, that can't happen. And they had to shorten it. Anyway, during school, we constantly had issues with, um, you know, tech, so on and so forth, trying to stay on topic. <laughs> uh, but the big problem was um, that when it comes to an issue, we were trying to have the dialogue with the teacher and she's trying to deal with so many kids. So it's like one person tech support the entire classroom um, plus whatever help they could get. Uh, but then the, the problem was none of the kids really wanted to do anything. They're trying to find ways out of it. They're trying to, you know, they sneak uh, electronics into their room. And can you, can you blame them? I mean, they're going through one of the biggest thing to ever happen in human history in our lifetime, let alone the last hundred years, I would say socially um, and certainly geopolitically and Oh my God, everything economically, everything. It's really just decimated everything that we knew as life and, and, uh, and, and we at least have we at least have context. These are kids. They have uh, you know everything no was whatever their on. concept of normal. Yeah. And now mm. it's like no, there's this deadly disease. Stay in your house until it's further brutal. notice. Right. And, and what does that even look like for a kid? He was terrified. He was because and he didn't. He's never the kid to like be super open about his stuff. He he internalizes some of it, even though we have a really close relationship and good dialogue, which I think whatever existence we are in that that that's how it is you know what i mean i i think uh whatever 
God is, if it exists, I, that we have the relationship that we do because these last two years have been just brutal on him. He lost his mom and then fucking right after, you know, the fucking pandemic. And then during the pandemic, I had an unexpected randomly, like I don't drink. I have, you know, some pretty heavy reasons is why now, but I mean, you know, I drank a little bit earlier, but in life, but I had a random pancreatitis flare up and I was in the hospital for a week during COVID. So he was just mm. fucking horrified yeah, yeah, by the idea. Yeah. And I had to just, it was at the, right at the beginning. It was in late April, early May. Um, and so yeah, when it was, right it was the scariest and no one really knew what we were even dealing with. Yeah. Nobody mm-hmm. had a clue. Um, yeah. And yeah. I was very much on the, look, I think I'm going to be fine. I'm going to go in there. I'm going to one of the most heavily sanit- sanitized places right. as possible. Right. And what, right. from what we know right now, it's droplet spread, which makes sense because it's early on in the life of a coronavirus is almost always, it's got to figure out how to adapt, right? Right out of the, it's right out of the, wet market uh it's got to figure out how to jump from animal to animal the easiest way is going to be always saliva nine times out of ten and this is i don't know why i know some of this but um i i really do find this stuff pretty interesting um but it takes a while like animals aren't coughing in social situations too often so a lot of times it's spread through the interactions of the animals fecal matter so on and so forth it takes a bit to spread and bounce. And this is where I'm thinking lab hypothesis. And I don't know shit, right? I don't know anything. And I'm sure demonetization could happen if we actually gave a fuck and we got money from this, but we don't. So my point is, (laughs) is it it took a bit for it to spread over and all that. So, and so forth. I'm going on tangent, but when it starts spreading around to people in social situations, sure. I'd be a lot more worried about it, but I was early on in the process of, like we just started finding out about it. I was like, I think I'm going to be okay. I didn't want to give him an unreasonable hope. Like what if I went in there and contracted it and died in there? Who fucking knows? But I was trying to be optimistic in the aspect that I I was pretty confident that I'd be okay. And I'd get out of there pretty quickly because I knew the case and how, you know, pancreatitis works and I'm not a drinker. So it's not going to be a big issue. Just go through the five days and I anything but water. But then they played fuck fuck with the the health thing, right? Because they're still figuring out what's going on. And I don't mean to go on this long thing about my, uh, but anyway, I was in there. They sent me out early than they're supposed to because they were like pancreatitis, keep him in the hospital. It's really, we should keep him here and it's really unsafe to send him home, but he's probably it's also uns- unsafe to be in the hospital. That's what they felt, but they, they yeah. weighed one against the other. So they sent me home, but I couldn't have IVs. So I drank water. Pancreatitis flared back up, only water, flared back up, back in the hospital the next week. So it did this back and forth for two months because it's always different people. It's always different things. It's always paper pushing and insurance problems. So, yeah, he was like, what the hell is going on? And, uh, you know, now that I've spent 15 minutes talking about myself, uh, I uh, it was just it was a really crazy situation. I can't imagine kids going through all this at home. And it's the only reason I bring this up is because I know about three other kids that we're dealing with similar circumstances, but in different ways, parents fighting, drinking at home, you know, just, and I'm not going, that's not my person, but you, you pick up on other things. The kids are talking and stuff. You don't mean to, right. but that's another side effect of this. And, you learn and about now it's politicized and, and it's you don't politicized. Yeah, it is politicized and that yeah. sucks because it, yeah. 
So I, here's what I'll say from a from a policy standpoint, and obviously the policy is is guided largely by things that I because I, I don't have kids in school, um, or I don't have kids, um, but I did go around the country and meet I don't know how many hundreds of parents of right. kids that they were having to adjust to this. So that most of the time I was campaigning last year um, was between the end of June and pretty much to election day. So like most of the summer and fall <clears throat> I was campaigning. And this was where they had just finished up the school year with this, you know, with this either hybrid or or uh, online learning. And they were all being told, yeah, that's going to be there when you get back. We're not bringing the kids back. Most of the, or a good number of the states said the kids are, are online. Now there were states like Florida and Texas that are like, it's either hybrid or it's in person. We're not, we're, we're going back to, to our normal with that. Um, and what I kept hearing from parents over and over again was, first of all, the level of elitism in a policy of, oh, just stay home is the exact same elitism that we saw with the lockdowns, mm -hmm. this presupposition that the average person could just stay home and everything will be fine. Right. That, well, just whatever work you do, just stay do home. it online. Money well, is, if you, you got plenty if, of money if, saved, you'll be good. Yeah, you got money saved. And, you know, your job, certainly you don't have to be physically at your job location. This is the 21st century. And it's like, there are people in the service industry. There are people, who are the people that you expect to, <laughs> you know, fix the cables so that you can continue to stay home, safe at home, watch Netflix? Or mm -hmm. who do you think are the people that are going to, uh, you know, maintain, uh, uh, you know, maintain the, the supply chain so you can have DoorDash uh, or whatever whatever app you use to do, or you know Walmart's delivery app deliver your food to your house. Who do you think's going to deliver it to your house? Like these are human beings, not abstractions. And and so there was a level of elitism built into the idea of yeah, your kids just have to stay at home. And also, it's child abuse if you leave them at home to go work. So oh someone's got to stay home yeah. with the kid. And so it was just a mess. And I, I heard stories of people who were being investigated by CPS because they were essential mm. workers who were, yes, had to I go and work, too. especially in the healthcare field. And their kids, some of whom were 12, 13 years old, and they're like, okay, I'm, I'm told my, I'm mandated to work. I'm mandated that my kids have to be, um, have to be at home doing their schooling fixed hours. And I'm, either mandated or can't find anyone to watch the kid during that time. And, you know, many people weren't in a situation where their parents could watch or some older person could watch or whatever. Right. So they just risked it. And I met people who literally were working in hospitals and dealing during the day they were dealing with, or, or at night, they, if they were doing a night shift, they're dealing with people dying in their ICU. And during the day they're dealing with letters from the school and from CPS. And that was not uncommon. They right. were put in a vice that's insane. Grip. That's fucking now, insane. Th that's what the parents are dealing with. If you think about what the kids are dealing with, where they don't understand what's going on, they aren't having that interaction. You mentioned something that a lot of other people haven't, but I have heard about it from others, that for some reason there was this school policy that they couldn't then interact after the class because of school liability concerns. Yes. Because God knows they can't meet up somewhere else, right? And, yeah, I know. and so, so you now had Google me no, or they, they got each other's numbers and shit. And then that became a thing Discord because I just, servers and there's like, there's no way they're going to be able to meet up. Right. So and on the school so server is safe. Like we can't, yeah. like, I, I can't talk to each and every parent to approve that. Exactly. So exactly. then I'm the bad guy. Like what the yeah. fuck? And all they do want to yeah. do is talk. 
Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but yeah, you made no, a very, right. very, very valid point. No, it's, it, it was a, it was a gigantic mess, and it was again, it was based on two very bad and cynical things. Number one was teachers unions, public employee unions, and we see this with the police unions as well. But teacher unions basically saying we want to get paid the same thing, and uh, we will you know sue anyone that forces us to go into schools because there's a, a obviously a larger likelihood of us catching COVID. So instead of having prioritization of kids being able to stay at home if they are sick, or teachers if they have chronic health issues, uh, having being able to stay home, instead they said, nope, everyone has to stay home. And the fact that tens of millions of Americans and their children, American children and American parents are going to be completely left behind by this policy change. Oh, well, screw them. And yep. it was the same thing with the lockdowns. It was, so it was, was this, though. elitists saying, you got to work it out. I remember hearing politicians. Uh, they'll figure you know, it out. I, they'll figure it out. Or, or politicians saying something like, you know, if you think about it this way, this is really good me time. It's time for you to be at home and to really just huh. you know learn things about yourself you didn't know. Yeah, unless you have to work 50 hours a week. Like right. there's there's no there's no way that, that this is going to work. And then even if you say, okay, well, we're going to give everyone a certain amount of money, uh, which didn't happen. They, they, they gave some people yeah, unemployment. They didn't. Most of us, most of us got 1200 bucks once and then 600 bucks a few months later. But even if you gave them, you know, if they had either a UBI or some system in place, they still have to go places to get things. Like it's, yeah. you can't you gotta move tell outside. everyone to stay home. They have to and, go outside at some point. So well, and then the most of that money would have been generated back to friggin' Amazon anyway, because everybody been doing it right. at home. So, exactly. I mean, I am a, obviously, I mean, you see the Yang thing behind I, I advocate for UBI more like NIT, but we'll kind of, we can go into that a little bit. I, uh, I am right. a strong advocate for if we're going to pump money and use people's stolen money, we should be pumping it down and not up. Right. And like, yeah, uh, that's something that I, I actually was a huge proponent of was, you know, if you're going to do the unemployment thing and you're yeah. going to allocate certain funds, bring it to the local government where they can allocate the funds and say, okay, this is what we're going to do. I would give actually, it to the local government and I, let them determine. I wouldn't even do that. I would give, this is the only thing that I feel government is good for period that if I've ever been good for um, is stealing, taking people's money mm-hmm. and right. dishing out those people's money, whether it's to right. corporations or to us or to anybody or to dolphins, it doesn't fucking matter. The point is they're taking money from people and giving it to people. And at the end of the day, in my opinion, like I don't buy the whole, okay, well, people aren't going to work if you give them money thing. It's just not, it doesn't bore out in the numbers. You look at disabled people, which I am one. And the last thing that people want to do is sit around all day. They go crazy and it's not good for their health mentally or with addiction and all that so forth. Uh, and you just, people are going to work. So it's a, whether you want to give people who are in sex work, the opportunity to not do sex work or somebody that wants to make a a bakery, the the bakery. I think a lot of times people would just do what they want to do if they had a little bit of funds to reinforce it. Maybe they don't know what they're doing, but maybe we should start reinforcing those ideas that, you know, if you're American, you're worth basic value, obviously that your value isn't registered based on what you can produce that, um, you know, our, or what's the word, um, how we're measured as a, Product as a commuting growth, member of society. Uh, GDP. That's what yeah. GDP right. is a shit measurement. So I guess where so, I was just going was that, you know, there, there isn't a whole lot of other options at this point now with AI now and coronavirus, you know, accelerating 
all job loss. So here, here's where I, you know, my concerns about UBI are, are the potential for inflation. And we can, we can talk about that, but um, also I, 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 government does a lot of taking people's money and then distributing it. I would argue they aren't actually good at it though. No, but that's no, a whole no, other no. subject, but, but here's the thing last year, uh, I actually don't use a UBI argument here. I use a eminent domain argument here. And the reality is last year, the various governments around the country told the American people, most Americans, you aren't allowed to work. You aren't allowed to go outside. You aren't allowed to work. You aren't allowed to operate your business. That is a form of taking. And under the uh, eminent domain clause in the Constitution, any taking must be compensated. And so if you are going to go this route of having the government at any level claim the authority, which I don't believe they have that authority, but it, let's yeah. say they claim this authority at the very least. OK, great. I can't be working. Then I need to be able to have money to be able to survive. Now, here's the long term problem with that. And we're seeing it now when mm -hmm. you eliminate the supply of labor and production and in any way inflate the purchasing power, then you end up with through the roof inflation, which is what we're seeing now mm -hmm. for two reasons. Number one, a bunch of money was printed out. The monetary supply was increased. So that value, that currency is worth less. Number two, no one was making anything. So the demand stayed here. It actually went up a little bit on certain things and the supply did this thing. So what's happening now is the reason why wood is so expensive, the reason why uh, you can't build a new house right now <laughs> is because there's no wood being made <laughs> and it's going to take a year to, to try to catch back up with it. So it's, it's a supply and demand issue. So, But what we saw last year was the greatest transfer of wealth in human history. And the yeah. insane mm -hmm. thing about that was that the transfer of wealth was largely from those with the least to those with the most because they printed out over 10 trillion Federal Reserve notes and handed at least three quarters of it in the form of federal stimulus spend, uh, federal uh, reserve sp stimulus yes. spending and uh, loan underwriting and in the form of direct payments to corporations. It was just printing out money, handing it to corporations, and sticking common taxpayers with this bill. They're not for the really next 40 printing years with anything, interest. though, right? It's all oh, just, yeah, printing now, you know? It's, yeah, right, it's, right. it's zeros on a but ledger. You yeah. know what blows yeah. my mind with that, though? And this is where I think that, and this is where my, my pushback to the inflation thing is that they're not really printing anything, and they never really have been since the 90s. We've been doing this steady inflation dance for a long fucking time, and then the 2008 mark, um, you know, housing crisis, and we keep on dealing with these fallouts. But I think the difference that's happening uh, now, because obviously the big concern is is jobs, no production. Like, what the fuck is going to, like that's you a said, huge it's fucking crazy. Yeah. You know, but, Subaru yeah. shut down for, a, I think it was Subaru shut down for a whole month because they could not make cars. They did not have chips to make the freaking cars. So yeah, yeah. Everything that, that, and that's not going to change. I don't think, I mean, well, no, it is because I, I do think this is my perspective and this is why I always am behind the whole you know, taxation is theft mm -hmm. except when from robots. So robots aren't capable of being consuming uh, they consume natural resources, but that's about it. They don't consume, you know, um, any type of healthcare or food or, you know, they, they pretty much, they, you know, some maintenance, but robots can also do some of that. No, it's equipment. It's I, equipment. I think yeah. Eventually yeah. there's going to be a time where, and this is already happening right now because you know, this is just a big excuse for all these companies to go even more AI than they were before in individual, okay. you know, burger slingers, so on and so forth. My, my thought is, is that, um, 
is that with the advent of technology, that that in a lot of ways is a bad thing. But at the same time, if done right, and we really approach it the correct way, which we won't because we never have, this is That's again, my point. <laughs> idle thinking. No, I know. And, but, but bear with me. But I, I think that that could really solve that solution. And ultimately, it's not really up to us. It's going to either yes, or we're all going to die. And the reason why I think that is because we're on a curve and it's just steadily going. It's not like a cliff. And, and I, I like that, that term, the curve, only because we will only see a steady curve in use in electronics too. So we, either we figure those things out as a species, because I mean, China's running a lot of the same problems too. It's just a different whole thing. And this is only my opinions. I'm not saying these is facts. Uh, I think some of them are kind of factual, but just my perspective. But I think that um, that the inflation thing, we're already we're already screwed from that. We owe China so much goddamn money if they just decide paid up to pay up now, especially with everything that's going on. I, I think that the only solution to this is going to be push the robotics, push the AI. Uh, it's already there and it's already on the way. We're going to have to deal with the robot trucks and stuff because if we don't, those other jobs aren't coming back. And you're just going to have a lot of angry Midwesterners that can't wrap their head around the problem, who don't give a fuck about wrapping their head around the problem because it's not their problem. Their problem is food on the table and the goddamn families that are either dying from, you know, hopelessness and fucking alcoholism or just COVID. <sighs> Sorry. Mm -hmm. No, just just take a breather for a second. Mark. No, I know. Um, it's just I know. The, uh, yeah, I think Spike had something. Um, yeah, no, I didn't want to. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, no, we'll that's fine. So, yeah. So the the um AI is happening uh, because even without even absent COVID, even absent any kind of crisis, the reality is as robotics and as technology improves, the gap between what a human being is capable of doing and what a series of robots or programs or whatever else is capable of doing, that gap just continues to widen. And there, and it is, I mean, a slope or a curve is a great way to describe it. Cause it's not like there's going to be this big epoch that, you know, this, this, this moment where everything just, it, it's, it's going to happen over time where eventually, I mean, look at something like a hearing aid, right? So a hearing aid went from being this gigantic thing in your, in your ear that was very apparent that you had it and it, clicked and made noises and they cost a freaking fortune to now they're smaller than the headsets that I'm wearing. There are some, mm -hmm. uh, uh, there are some hearing aids now and they've gotten rid of almost all the other problems. We're now reaching a point where they're talking about hearing aids, eventually being, being able to provide hearing to people that's better than their actual natural hearing. We're seeing sight aids, just the beginning of them where people who are completely functionally blind have no nerve ending uh, uh, supply from their, their eyes to their brain. And they're putting in implants that allow them to see basic shapes and, and they're just just now starting to get into things like color. Links that's too. eventually that's eventually going to reach a point where they have eyes in the back of their head and we can just add them so that we can have three, you know, you know, have a night vision and zoom vision and stuff like that. This is the reality of technology. It just keeps yeah. getting better and better and better. And humans are still the same humans that we've always been. We're not evolving at nearly the pace that the technology can. So at some point we're going to be displaced in the labor force for the most part, at least. And that just is the reality. And like you said, we're going to have to figure out how to adjust or it's, I mean, it's going to happen either way. So it doesn't yeah. really matter. My concern specifically about UBI is this. Um, so first of all, the reason we have the inflation we have, it's important to note that the era of us worrying about owing money to China or Japan is largely Gone. over. Yeah. We have more 
debt run up this year, which is owed to the Federal Reserve Bank of the US, than all of the money that is owed to all of the other banks of other countries combined. It just doesn't matter anymore. And that number continues to rise. One out of every $3 that has ever been printed. And when I say printed, I don't include, I don't just mean physical printing. I mean, adding to ledgers, all of the, one out of every $3 that has ever been created has been created in the last 10 months. It's crazy. Fucking insane. If you look at these, these M2 supply charts and things like that, it's going through the roof. And that is that coupled with what's happening right now, which is a reduction of supply due to people not working. And and that's a, a combination of they're getting paid not to work, but it's also, why would I go out and work with COVID if I could just make money and not, I mean, it's a no brainer. I don't blame them not for doing it. Why, why would they do it? But yeah. so it, without a pandemic, it probably would be a little bit more even where people would be working again, but you know, it's not going to be the same and, and there's going to be some supply chain issues until robotics fill that gap here. My problem with UBI is that the more you print out money and again, print out the more mm-hmm. you add to the money supply, even, even, you know, magically on a, on a electronic ledger, mm-hmm. the money is losing its value over time. And in, in the 113 years that the Federal Reserve, no, 108 years that the Federal Reserve has existed, our money has lost 98 cents on the dollar of its value. Sure. Another way of putting that is, imagine if your money was worth 50 times what it is right now. Yeah. That's how much they've robbed you. And mm-hmm. close to, if you're my age, close to 30 cents of that is in our time. Actually, anywhere between 30 and 50% of that is in our time. Our our money's lost at least half of its value during our time. Actually, probably a little bit more than that once you factor in certain certain so things. So funny. But I remember the, the, hearing these conversations uh, back when Ron Paul was running. And oh, yeah. Was, no, and, and, and this is the him. thing. Now, 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 now Ron Paul funny. promoted gold. I'm more of a fan of crypto. But but here's yeah. here's my concern is that when you... When you open up the, the the box, the Pandora's box of the, the federal government becoming an agency whose main role is to decide how much money every single human being in the country gets, here's the reality of what happens there. If I'm, I'm a politician, right? So yeah. mm-hmm. if I want to ever win an election... I have to go. I can't go in there and tell tough yep. truths about nope. UBI once that once that box is open and everyone's largely relying on that to make ends meet. There's no way I'm going to go in there and go, well, folks, you know, uh, with inflation and blah, 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 this is unsustainable. They're going to say, we don't care. We don't care. Yeah. Go let someone else deal with that. We need to be able to make ends meet because, yes, the cost of living spiraling out of control. And no, we can't afford it by working. So that's going to be a nightmare. So here's what ends up happening. Every single politician who wants to get elected, it becomes a race for who's proposing the most. Last year, literally this time last year, Andrew Yang was proposing $1,000. Then mm-hmm. Bernie Sanders said 2000 It doubled. It literally doubled. Yeah, but that was between the pandemic. And- it's one started before the pandemic, the other one. And I think that there is a no dis- one's going to go back. Different- you know what? Differentiation. I, I want to add on to after, after you're, right, you're done, Spike. I want to add on something to this because I can yeah. I can I can give you a, an example. Mm-hmm. So. No one's got, you're right. It was the pandemic that pushed it forward from a thousand. Cause there was, there was a brief period of a thousand and then 1200 and what, and now it's, now it's 2000. Now, anyone who says 1500, they're, they're, they're being told, well, why don't you care as much about us as, as, as Bernie Sanders does? So here's what happens now, Andrew Yang or whoever that wants to compete with Bernie Sanders says, well, 2,500. And then eventually 2,500 becomes 5,000 and, 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 or 3,000. Then 3,000 becomes 5,000. 5,000 becomes 10,000. And, sure. and here's the, here's what happens. So you now have 
the money supply reaches a point where one out of every $3 was made this week or this month. And, and it's, it's not a slope. It's just a straight up bell curve mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. increasingly just looks like a vertical line. And then, and the, the spiraling out of control inflation that comes from that will immediately, immediately push even more for politicians to go from 10,000 to 20,000 to 50,000 to 100,000 until eventually we're in a situation like the Weimar Republic in Germany pre Adolf Hitler or Zimbabwe or Greece or any of these countries who, because they didn't have a military industrial complex forcing everyone to use their currency in other countries, their currency immediately fell apart as soon as they started doing this kind of spiraling inflationary spending. Our country yeah, gets to get away from that because of socialism, you know, I, I mean, I feel like it's very different than the UBI, uh, the few UBI uh, experiments that were actually, you know, a controlled UBI experiment that was kind of like there was no political agenda. And there's very few of those, I think, that are kind of bipartisan. It's impossible to have a non-political oh, UBI of course. experiment. Well, yeah, it's yeah, impossible yeah. not to <laughs> in, in, impact whatever you're measuring, period. It's the whole, you know, uh, we impact but, uh, just, everything we measure. Just, I know you you said yeah, you wanted to, I was gonna to give say, an example or um, something, yeah. Well, first of all, can you say, I don't know what UBI is. What does that actually mean? Is, oh, universal, universal basic income. Okay. Okay. Sorry. I, I did not know the acronym. I apologize, but I want to, I want to, It's all right. maybe there's other people out there who didn't. Um, yeah. But what I want to say is my husband works for our local shipyard and our local shipyard is part of the federal government for the Navy mm. and building submarines. And, yeah. um, during the pandemic, they ended up at, over half, I think, of the shipyard ended up staying home for like six months where they were just like, OK, if you meet this certain criteria, you're going to stay home. We're going to pay you your entire full income. Oh, and by the way, you're still going to make all of your um, all of your um, earn time. And, you know, so people were finding reasons to not have to come into work just because they didn't have to work and they got all their money. And like this one guy. Um, and I don't one, blame them, by the way, especially I during don't the either. pandemic. I don't blame them. Yeah, I don't either. But at the same time, like what my husband and I talked about was like, you know, these people are like, oh, well, you know, I want to stay out for this reason. And, you know, the government was like, no, sorry, that's not a valid reason. Well, I want to stay out for right. this reason. That's not valid. Oh, well, I'm fat. OK, then they let them stay home just because they yeah. were fat. You know what I mean? And it's wow. like they were just finding reasons. Well, just looking for a reason. Yeah. Now what's happening is so like my husband ended up working third shift now just because specifically he's like, look, um, he's like, I, you know, I could stay home because you have X, Y and Z health problems. And I said, I'm going to tell you right now, you're not staying home for those X, Y and Z health problems because I'm still working and you can work, too. There's no reason for you to be home. So he went to third shift um, to just to at least like alleviate some of the first shift. Right. And now what's happening is they're, they're mandating that they're trying to make all three shifts working shifts. Not every single shop at the shipyard actually has a working third shift. He's his specific department does because someone has to be there because he does radiological controls and not all the shops are supporting that, but now they're having all these other people come into third shift for his department, which is increased pay, more money that's being spent on labor that can't be used. 
Um, and it's just, it's just compounding. And they're like, well, we're so far in debt that we can't afford to not have three working shifts. But the problem was that what they did was they let all these people work from home. They called it ROMing. And those people didn't actually do anything. It caused it compounded in the fact that like they did their um, retention of knowledge, knowledge exams and all that. And nobody could remember anything because they hadn't worked for six to nine months. And then now the shipyard is so far in debt and we already have problems where they try. They've tried to shut us down multiple times. And if they do that, it would completely destroy our entire economy. And all these people who are like, well, you know, I, I have all this earned time that I have to use, even though I just had, you know, six to nine months off. So I'm going to start using all that earned time too. Well, where do you think, where, where do you think that money's coming from? You know, it, we have to generate it somehow. And now there's not enough, you know, there's not enough people to do the work. Then there's not enough people to work on the shifts that are supposed to be working. And it's just compounded from there. Yeah. And, and the, it, the only thing keeping that all afloat is the fact that their client is the federal government who can just exactly. print out endless reams of money. Yeah. Exactly. That's, that's the only thing. And <laughs> it, it's gotten to a point now where like they're forcing them to get vaccinated. And my husband's like, I don't want to get vaccinated. So now they're right. going to make them get weekly testing. And weekly I don't testing, think, yeah. and that's, and think about how much Those money that suck. wastes. <laughs> that, that wastes so much revenue. Resources. And it's like, you know, they're, they're thinking about this in the wrong way, I feel like. And, and the point that I was bringing up on this was that people will find a way to not work just to get paid to stay home because they have things that they can do at home and be with their families. And it's that elitist, it's that elitist, you know, I can, I can be with my family. I can be with my kids. I don't have to work and I'm going to get paid my regular income. Why wouldn't I do that? And that's the thing. Why wouldn't you do it? You know, it goes back to, you know, if you are struggling to make ends meet and you have your family commitments, especially during a time when your kids have to stay home. Mm-hmm. Right. So now it's not even just a, well, hey, if I don't have to work, why would I work? It's I don't want to lose my children to CPS because right. they have mm-hmm. to stay home all day and I'm having to work or I have the option where I can get paid either roughly the same thing or possibly in some cases even more, more to home are you kidding me and and the reality is and this is the argument this is what's going to ramp up the uh implementation and acceptance of ai i i travel a lot because of my because of what i do i'm, I'm in a different state every single uh weekend by the way uh if you uh, live anywhere near uh cincinnati uh or uh or northern kentucky come out and see me this weekend go to spikecohen.com for more information anyway uh when i when i go out um, the, uh, I'm at these airports and I'm watching these skeleton crews try to negotiate some of the largest, um, workloads of, of passengers in years. I mean, the, the, the level of travel that's happening right now is through the roof because everyone's staying home and not working. So like, you know, so now they can afford to go on vacations and stuff like that. And they're all, they've been pent up for the last year. So now everyone's going on vacation. So, you know, I I'm on these flights and I'm watching everything is late. Everything is, you see the poor workers at the, the airport. Everyone is scrambling. Everyone is trying to, to, to do it, trying to do their, trying to just get the work done. And I'm watching this stuff happen and I'm thinking, this is all going to be robots in three years, maybe even mm-hmm. sooner. There's no way that these multi-billion dollar companies are going to go, 
well, you know, people just want to stay people. home. No, yeah, it's not it, happen. yeah, that's yeah. It's not. It's not going to happen. No, not at it's all. not what's going to happen. Is a bunch of freaking robots are going to come in, and 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 maybe they're not ready for prime time yet. Maybe the technology isn't you know as adaptable. They they would have waited a little bit longer until it was more adaptable. It's not going to matter if it's that matter. or nothing. The, the benefits outweigh the means. It's the same thing with they truck will. drivers. You put people in a yes. truck. And they're going to drive at 40 instead of 65 because they don't have to stop now. The battery literally goes from Boston to California nonstop. No, no, no need to stop and charge. It just goes. No brakes. No. Yeah. No, nothing. Yeah. And it just goes uh, no hammer down because and it's so it's safer and they can run a string of them. You know, no diabetes, no health issues, no crank to stay up all day. No no No, federal. That's a really mean thing to say. I I don't mean to generalize. But also here's here's, here's a much, here's a much bigger part of that. Here's a much bigger part of that. No federal mandate that they can only drive nine or 10 hours. That's right. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's what I was going to say. 24 hours. Right. So absolutely. Well, and And weight restrictions. But so All here's the thing. Oh yeah, weight restriction. Yeah. This and this is where I, I kind of we double back to the I, I don't think that people will ever choose. And this is it's different when they're working, right? When they're working, they have the ability to stay home and collect money because they, they're fucking sick of their job already, right? They're already done with their job. But for people who stay home that don't have a job and literally the thousand dollars a month is their baseline income, and then they get a job on top of that. I think it's highly unlikely that anybody would just choose to sit home and be lazy all day. I think most people in will. That, in, I mean, in that's that that's not. the absence of a job, right? I think right. That, that's you know, different. Add in though. a job, and that's a little different. But during the pandemic, you also had people that didn't have the ability to leave, um, and in some circumstances, it's. Do you feel safe? And I do think that that was at the discretion of the individuals and not the government uh, to tell mm-hmm. you whether you can stay home. Because like you said, Larry Sharp has some pretty good sayings. I like this one. The uh, Just because I think it should be done doesn't mean I think the government should do it. I think that's paraphrasing. Right. but Or just because uh, you know it needs to be done doesn't mean the government needs to come in and control it. Uh, and I agree with that um, but on almost every aspect. But this is where my, my concern is, is that UBI negative income tax, which I like a lot better because the government yeah. controls it less, isn't going to the federal government. It's not going to paper pushers, people scrambling papers around with dicks on it. Like they're going to give you the money and then you spend the money. And this is ideal, obviously, you know, uh, high in the pie sky living. But I also think less government is kind of eye in the pie sky living because right now yeah. it's just more and more <laughs> and more money spent, more and more bigger government. Um, less government to me in this scenario would be no government intervention when it comes to the capital and the individual businesses and the small bakers and so on and so forth. Uh, and people think I'm crazy with that, but I, I don't think that they should step in. I do think that when you eliminate a lot of those things and introduce it at UBI uh, and less regulation too, you're going to have less and less landlords that are going to have the ability to raise $1,000 a month because they're just going to have more and more competition. There'll be more people that go, well, screw them. I'm going to charge less and get their their customer. And so on. So that's the benefit of capitalism. But the government regulation always steps in, fucks that up, right? They come in, they go, you can do right. this, you can do that, you can't do this, you can't do that. And because of that, some landlords get an edge. Uh, I'm using landlords as a, uh, it's always the thing that people say. You know, it's, land- it's, it's everything. The, the regulatory structure that was written by corporate cronies Wonder of wonders. It, bene- it, it benefits the largest companies and it creates Got a barrier it. to entry for everyone Something. else. So I think we can all agree to get rid of all that nonsense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, and that's where I think that they become, they, certainly in a system like now, 
uh, UBI is just going to be more people siphoning money here in the dark areas and people who work for, you know, local federal governments taking it, putting some in their pocket by pennies, but nobody will notice because it's pennies, all kinds of crazy stuff. I agree. Um, I'm just saying that, you know, federal government sucks at a lot of things, but they had no problem finding the good majority of us pretty quickly to dish that money out when they needed to. So I don't mean oh, necessarily distribution's that, not going to be a problem. That, no, that's the only thing I meant earlier. I didn't necessarily mean that like, uh, you know, people's money or I meant more like distribution's the only thing they're really good at. They, and because they're just bureaucrats, right? Um, yeah, they, they can distribute. It's just <laughs> what it takes to, to pass, to get it done. Here, here's my, here's I just my don't want to misspeak. <laughs> Also, for those who don't know, just in, in case, I, I don't know how, how you know, any people, negative income tax is a little bit more obscure than, than UBI. Oh, yeah. It's I a similar idea. <laughs> it's, it's, no, it's fine. This was actually something proposed by Milton Friedman, Friedman. And, and others. Um, uh, so for those who say it sounds anti-libertarian, there actually are, I, I'm not in favor of it, and I'm going to talk sure. about why in a second, but uh, it's actually, there were some libertarians or at least liberty-minded people uh, from the Chicago school that proposed this, like Milton Friedman and others. Yeah. N- negative income tax is kind of a mean tested UBI. So it's not UBI. It's it's a means tested basic income, which is basically based on, okay, so if you make, we know the progressive tax, right? The more money mm-hmm. you make, the higher a percentage of your income at different levels you pay, but it would go the other way too. So the less money you make. So if you have like, let's say the, whatever's considered the uh, poverty line or 200% above the poverty line. So the, the, the basic income level, anything below that, or maybe even starting at the, at the, the basic, you know, standard median income level, they actually pay a negative income tax, basically meaning the government's going to hand them money. Um, but on a, on a, on a, on a, on a, um, on an equally progressively curved scale in the other direction. So you don't just get like a, a earned uh, income tax credit or something like that. You get, like, okay, you only make this much. So you actually get paid this much by the IRS. Um, And that that would go all the way down to if you're making zero dollars and zero cents, whether you're a retiree or you're homeless or you're poor, whatever, if you're making nothing, then you're getting whatever the maximum amount is that they give out to people. So the the, the problems that are built in that Mm -hmm. I was concerned about with UBI are still there because it's like, okay, what's that amount? And what is, how progressive is it on both the income level and the, 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 um, on the other level. And, oh, and, and social we could get divisiveness. Into this, this. Actually, to your point, social divisiveness, this is something that popped in my head. That could be a real problem, especially with the discussion of reparations recently, where people are like, well, we should be getting more because our economic system is fucked because we got the short end of the stick for a long fucking time. Actually, every, no stick. <laughs> every you know? single aspect of right. every political conversation is going to devolve into how much is the IRS going to give me to, for yeah, this? That's right. And it's going to be a major problem. And then conversely, how much do we take from the people who are still either working and producing or right. who own companies and so forth? Now, I'm less concerned about that, although that creates a major issue. Here's my concern, and it, and it says someone who's very anti-war. Something that a lot of Americans don't realize is that the only talking. reason yeah. our money is even and considered worth anything is because the U.S. military industrial complex enforces it at gunpoint mm-hmm. around the world. So most countries that spend anywhere near what our government spends, their money is worthless. They actually have to use the dollar or Bitcoin or crypto or, or the euro or yeah. something else because no one will take their yeah. money. Cuba, Venezuela, uh, Zimbabwe, 
Greece, uh, uh, some Eastern European countries, they their money's worthless and they're not spending anything what the U.S. is spending. The reason the U.S. money dollar is considered worth anything is because of the petrodollar effect. Mm -hmm. And what that is, is that the basically the U.S. military and central banks go around and tell all these other countries, you need to keep X amount of money, of dollars, of actually of, of of treasury bills, IOUs, and hold them as your foreign reserves. This is literally an IOU. It's not worth anything, but they have to hold it in their reserves. Now they never say, and if you don't do it, we will invade your country and murder you. But that just keeps being what happening. <laughs> like like every, every, there's no law any for income tax, right? If I'm correct, I remember this from the 90s with the those folks in New Hampshire. There's no law, yeah, so, right? So it, it was it was ratified that the the income tax uh, uh, amendment I'm was sorry, actually ratified mean... unconstitutionally. Uh, <laughs> there is a provision for there is a, a taxing um, uh, a, a tax tax and spend clause in the constitution, but the, specifically the income tax. But again, it doesn't even matter how the tax is collected. They can do it in tariffs, sales tax, whatever. It doesn't yeah, really yeah. matter. What matters is when the Federal Reserve can just constantly add zeros. The only way that that money isn't going to immediately become in direct correlation, worthless is if more and more and more people are under threat of mass murder around the globe. Because yeah. that's the system we have right now. There right. are two countries right now. No, there are three countries. No, four. There are four. No, there are two countries that are not nuclear powers that don't have U.S. dollars, U.S. Treasury IOU notes in their federal in their foreign reserves. North Korea and Iran. That's it. Oh, and Venezuela. What are the three countries in Cuba? What are the four countries that are <laughs> constantly under threat of invasion? Or I'm sorry, liberation. Yeah. Saddam Hussein <laughs> was one of them. Saddam, <laughs> sorry, Saddam, liberation. Yeah, liberation. Saddam <laughs> Hussein's Iraq was one of them. Uh, the, the Taliban Afghanistan was one of them. Mm -hmm. Every single time we find somewhere, I should say we find, we are robbed so that the military, yeah. the, the military industrial complex and the, uh, the intelligence industrial complex the can find an excuse, even if they have to create the terrorist group that they need to attack to yeah. make the excuse for why this has to, why this government has to be overthrown and wonder of wonders every single time it's replaced with a government that one of the first things they do is hold treasury reserve IOUs as their, as their, Fear. as their foreign reserve. So that's the only reason that anyone considers the U S dollar worth anything, despite the fact that they are spending trillions of dollars. They are literally not even bothering to print because it would cost way too much to print it out. It would cost hundreds of millions to print it out. They literally just <laughs> add zeros <laughs> to a ledger and then hand it off in the form of, of zero interest loans that never have to be paid back and direct bailouts to crony corporations, multinational corporations that just so happen to be headed by all the cronies who put all the politicians in office who had to sign off on all of that nonsense. This is a gravy train system that is founded on worldwide mass murder and threats of mass murder. And even still, it is eventually going to reach a precipice where there's right. no one left to take any more treasurer, treasury notes, where there's I mean, no one left there? to say, okay, fine. We're we're almost there. And my concern about UBI or NIT or any of these policies of saying, we're just going to create a basic floor of income yeah. because of the inflationary nature of what Oh yeah, we can't add it to, to it now. Oh my God, no. I mean, we're at the point where it's too late for that. Uh, yeah, no, right. no so, I, I'm definitely in realization. So- that 
So what we need to talk about is what is the actual solution, because the status quo is also untenable. Even if you remove the the, the crony corporate bailouts, even if you eliminate the uh, the 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 um, restrictions that create a barrier to entry for the poorest among us to be able to thrive and, and be able to grow and disrupt the, the, the status quo, eventually just with. AI and robotics and things like that, that's going to create a natural market derived barrier to entry for those who don't already have the capital to try to enter into that, that barrier now, is called the end of the world. <laughs> right. Well, oh. so, so then how, but so then what do we do? And, and my rebuilt. argument, my argument is that our biggest problem is the fact that government, this government and governments around the world decide what money is and how much it's worth. Mm-hmm. That allows them to game everything. Mm-hmm. Or our value, of every right? Problem. And, and, and yeah. as a result, what our value GDP. is, right? It's like the most disgusting version of labor theory of value. Mm-hmm. It's the printed out money theory of value. And what I would say is, and this is where the crypto anarchists get it right, when we take back the concept of what currency is, a lot of the problems that we are facing, again, going back to what if your money was worth 50 times what it is right now, yeah. it wouldn't matter what's happening with robotics. Your families would have already built such a financial financial legacy for you that you would be a capital owner. Right, you would be right. an owner of capital. It wouldn't matter anymore. You'd be it, a lot more pro-capitalist probably. <laughs> well, there would. <laughs> pro-capitalism. there'd be rather. a lot more people actually, there'd be a lot more actual capitalists yeah, owning capital. There'd be a lot that more people a that thing. actually have a real stake in the economy. But we've been robbed by that by central bankers and their, and their, their, their absolutely cynical system that they've built. Yeah. So my what I say is the inverse. We need to be having a serious discussion about not just ending the Fed, but getting government out of currency altogether yes. and having market-derived mm-hmm. currency, where instead of having a currency, the money that's in your wallet, the government has a vested interest in it losing value over time. Instead, by creating that that competition-based system, by having different providers trying to provide you with their currency who have a vested interest, if for no other reason than their bottom line, to get you to use their currency uh, more Versus often than another. someone else's, now there's a race to who can actually make their value the value of your currency, not just your investments using that I currency, never thought but of the it actual like that. currency itself gain value over time. Imagine yeah. if you could just have your money sitting right here on the table or, or <laughs> sitting in your wallet because it's not, you know, it's it's, it's cryptocurrency sitting in a, in a crypto wallet, not even invested, and it's still gaining value, you know, like every Bitcoin owner for the last 10 years or Ethereum owner or even the Dogecoin owners right now. But to, imagine if if that was how it was. The conversations we're having right now wouldn't matter because right. we're gaining in value by virtue of what we already own instead of watching it constantly lose value over time. So I believe that is the that is the the long-term solution to this. And that means completely relooking at how we even interact with government in the first place. So one of the things that uh I noticed, you know, back when the pandemic first happened and a lot of people were not at work and the amount of fear caused such <laughs> irrational thinking Yep. That uh, when when the bills were first proposed, I was like, this is bad, guys. Like I had posted on Facebook. I was like, this is bad. Like, I really hope they don't pass this. I'm really scared about what's going to happen. This money is not going where you think it's going. You might be getting twelve hundred dollars, but this is not what's happening. Like, I'm scared. And all these people were like, well, I can't pay my bills this month. Like, I need this thousand dollars. I need this. I need this. I need this. And I'm like, but you're not thinking into the future. And then I realized I'm like, this is this is what's happening is they're using this fear based tactic to make these people beholden to them. And, And I was like, you know, 
I understand it and I get it. And I was one of the lucky ones where I, I actually do work in healthcare. I'm a certified professional coder. And, okay. um, you know, I've been working in GI for 15 years now. So it's like, and we never once went to work from home. I, my job could have fully been work from home. We stayed open and stayed in the office the entire time. And mm-hmm. I was like, you know, I only work part time, but I'm going to, I started working more full-time hours just to take advantage of it because of all the people who weren't working. Right. And I'm like, you know what? I'm lucky because I don't have that fear-based, you know, I need this stimulus. And once I saw the amount of people who had that fear and that's what was driving all of this. And then all these, all these uh, bureaucrats started taking advantage of that fear to drive these policies that really had nothing to do with COVID. That's, that's when I lost complete 100% faith in any sort of government program at all. I mean, not that I was already had any faith or anything like that, but like, that's when I saw saw the the reality of everything and and spike you've no go ahead go ahead i was gonna say spike you've you've actually given me some hope to to feel like there are still people out there in government who understand this and and don't want this to be our reality but it is well it it, and it is because government wants us to live in a series of crises because it leads to you saying things like all government is the most all government. Yeah, all all, government. this isn't, you know, nobody's Democrats free from versus that. Republican. Yeah, no, I agree. No, it's not. It's uh, not. This is so, for example, this leads to people saying this is the most important election of our lifetimes. I'm going to have to vote for something or someone that I hate because yeah. they are marginally better than the other other person or Oof. thing that I hate I was anymore. one of those people. But no, I know. I know. And, and I'm not and I'm not even giving you a hard time about. Oh, it no, I know. You're millions not. Of, no one likes. I Joe like your Biden, perspective on right? it. Nobody. No one nobody likes Joe Biden. And he got but nobody likes Trump. Trump. Biden doesn't like Joe and Biden. No one likes nope. Trump, literally. But it's because everyone is is living in a constant series of crisis. They're making yeah. crisis based decisions, and mm-hmm. we have to look at how government gamed that that crisis. So COVID is a perfect example of this. Yeah, oh yeah. For the first t- almost two months that the virus was here, possibly more, because it may have at this point there's more and more possibility that it was here. The end of last year mm-hmm. but at it the was. very least let let's say that it was here middle to end of january okay that's that's it was here in december that well i believe it was i believe it was possibly i, I know it was labor day i i, I got sick in january for real bad and i was on the couch i've never gotten yeah. that sick from a flu in my life i was sick in february i tested negative for f- both flu a and flu b and i have gone around the country since then and i routinely test negative for covid i may have gotten wild COVID for all i know and yeah. the reason why i don't know if i have covid and so many of the rest of us did is that Just, for did you at get least it? i'll answer in a minute oh sorry <laughs> I didn't, at, like, <sighs> at least at least for almost two months at least for eight weeks at least for six to eight weeks the cdc did not allow testing in this country Mm-mm. There were American companies that were making C- uh, COVID test kits and selling them overseas, and it was illegal for them to use them here. When I went in February, where we already knew the virus was oh, here, I and I went to a doctor and said, do I have COVID? She said, there's no way of knowing. We aren't allowed to test, and the CDC hasn't created their test yet. That is what allowed the virus to spiral out of control here. And then you had state governments, multiple state governments, Washington, New Jersey, New York, and other states, where the gut, where the state governments were taking COVID patients out of ICUs in hospitals that had the protocols in place to protect all of the other 
patients that were there from COVID and putting them in nursing homes and mental facilities, yeah. even though the owners and the, the, the people in those facilities were saying, we don't have the protocols yeah, in place yeah. to protect the people who are the most likely to die of COVID from mm -hmm. COVID. So bad and decisions result, on both sides. And so we went from... You know, it might be a few people here that have COVID. Remember when it was like eight people or something like that for the longest time? Meanwhile, well, it's, you know, countless. We went from that to actually it's already tens of thousands of people and the fatality rate could be high, as high as 10% because suddenly is, all they were, what it was. they went from no testing. They went from no testing to only testing the people that were confirmed to already have it because they were in ICUs. Of course, the fatality rate was in the 10 percentile range. These were the people who most likely to die from it. And yep. they gained the system by putting them in nursing homes. Now, then they used that fear that everyone had and said, hey, listen, guys, you all have to stay home. And, a, and the American people who usually overwhelmingly would be like, fuck you, I'm going wherever the hell I want yeah. to. I'm not going to tell me a large number of Americans even some libertarians and even some conservatives were going, eh, you know what, let's just take it easy for a little mm -hmm. bit. But what happened as a result of that is people saying, how am I going to be able to make ends meet? Yeah. Great news. We're going to spend about $36,000 per American, almost all of it in debt, and you're going to be a, get about 2500 to 4000 of it. Don't ask where the rest of it's going. It really isn't relevant. Uh, it's going to all the corporations that put us in office. But but you're going to get all of that. <laughs> this is how governing by crisis works. They create a situation by simply, if they had simply let healthcare workers do their damn job, job God, and right. test people and find out, it could have been curbed. We probably wouldn't have been able to stop it from being here yes. at all. But at and the there'd very be less least, misinformation. it could have been controlled. Oh, and there would have God. been less political, because we talked about the politicization of this. Yeah. The reason it was politicized is because you had competing competing politicians. These are the same politicians that, you know, oh, they're bitter enemies and must stop the other side until it's time to pass one of those crony bailouts or it's yeah. time to... Mm -hmm renew the authorization of use of military force without any congressional oversight around the world, or whether it's time to raise the debt ceiling endlessly, or whether it's time to tax all of us, whether it's time to do all these things that they have to or do. Or allow they experimental vaccines perfectly. under a U, uh, what is it, UAE or whatever it is, uh, yeah, universal uh, uh, emergency. Yeah, uh, uh, emergency well, they weren't vaccines. Yeah. Uh, keep on emphasizing this is not vaccines. So, they're so they're new not. technology. Well, by, Entirely well, by new technology. By the CDC's own definition, <laughs> yeah, they aren't a vaccine, vaccine because they don't actually, they increasingly, it's apparent that they don't actually stop the spread of COVID. No. They just prime your immune system to protect you from some of the worst symptoms, which means you're actually more likely to spread it because you're walking around everywhere. Anyway, not just that, so not just the, that virus, other viruses too. They didn't go into that. Well, there's or the, they, I or mean, the spike proteins. Yeah. Well, and we don't, and we don't know what MRNA yeah. is going to do long-term. It looks like mm -hmm. it's a very promising thing. There's oh, actually yeah. an MRNA. I have MS and they're working on an MR, MRNA vaccine for MS, huh. which could potentially end everything. Right. You're so, I mean, it, it, that's so, wild. So, uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's it, the, the technology is very promising. It's also the very first mRNA vaccine that's ever been approved for human use. Vaccine. Ever, right. Yeah, so, vaccine. so, yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, all, anyway, all that, all that to say that so true, the, the, the point of this is that when you have government in control of every single lever of power, this is how they use it, which is why I'm wary of any kind of government help for any lean on it. I believe exactly. that the moment, well, it's, it's how they govern it. They govern by crisis and by fear Fuck it. because, Let's go. because <laughs> they just, they use, they use two things, fear <sighs> and envy. 
I am scared and I don't like that that person has something and I don't. Right. But mm-hmm. most never fear, be worried about they really people. just lean on the fear. And, and, and my thing is this. This is what happens when you have a system that is financed by extortion and threats of extortion. It's enforced with violence and threats of violence, and it has no real accountability because, yeah, you can change the figurehead that's in there, but you can't say, well, good, sir, I don't like your services, so at, you know, remove me from your mailing list, please. This is the difference between market-derived, competition-derived services and provision of services mm-hmm. and monopolistic ones. And government is not just a monopoly. It is a violent monopoly that's funded by, funded by extortion. Do you and, want and Maxwell so, House or Victory Brand Coffee? Right. Well, and they're both poisonous. Yeah. Oh, oh, and by the way, they're both poisonous. <laughs> yeah, they're yeah. both made of asbestos. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Spike, yeah. that was a win. That's hilarious. Uh, I'm going to write that down. And they're so, both poisonous. <laughs> so uh, back in Love December that. of 2019, my supervisor had gone to California to visit her nephew who works for Apple, who had just come back from Wuhan, very, very sick. And when she got back from visiting her nephew... She was very, very sick. And guess who got sick? Me. Yeah, right out of the gate, huh? Right out of the gate in December. He had just come back from Wuhan. Okay, so keep in mind that that's where he was. That's what was, yep. And uh, I remember that. So I, I have a lot. It. Oh, yeah. It, well, they. I don't even know that anybody really. I don't At even that know point, that it was the not feds. Yeah. I don't know that the feds were downplaying it. China was down. The Chinese government was arresting and imprisoning people who were trying to talk about. Yeah. So when so when she got back and she was really sick and then I got really sick, um, I'm a voice actor. And I remember at that time, the reason why it's so like ingrained in my memory is because I was working on an audio book for translating um, for for Chinese um, people who had China, their uh, English as a second language. Okay. And I had to postpone because I was coughing so bad. I couldn't, I couldn't record. Right. right. And my husband was sick for a month and a half and he actually had to go to, um, emergent care. And, you know, he's like, you know, he tested negative for flu too. And, and they're like, Oh, you just have a virus. We're just going to treat the symptoms. It's just a virus is what they said to him. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and it, it was bronchitis really, really bad. And, yeah. uh, you know, so at that point, I am 99% sure we both had COVID at that time, not yeah. knowing that that's what it was. Nobody knew yeah. about it at that time. Mm-hmm. And the issue is that, you know, one of the doctors I work for was like, oh, well, did you get an antibody test? And I'm like, that was over a year ago. You know, an antibody yeah. test is not going to show whether or not I have antibodies it's going to show if you tested my T cells because that's where the memory is going to be, but right, it's exactly. not going to be yeah. in my blood. And yeah. so it's like, you me. know, yeah. people, people have like these small, like portions of, you know, knowledge, like the general public, um, you know, these small things that they grab onto like, Oh, well, just go get antibody tested. Well, that's not how it works. Yeah. Nobody actually digs in. They just oh, yeah. I heard it somewhere and they regurgitate it. Yeah, yeah. A- antibody tests are are good for maybe the first two, maybe three months, yep. maybe a little bit longer, or maybe even less, because like you said, eventually your your B and T cells take over. Eventually your your immune system takes over. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you'd have antibodies constantly floating in your body from everything you've ever had. Eventually, your 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 memory cells from your immune system take over and and, and do that. So uh, unfortunately, because we do have to kind of yeah, wrap I was up. just gonna say um, that yes. we're, I, yes, we're yes, we are eight thirty so, right now. 
I, I think in closing, I think we all agree government is terrible and, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, 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 and not specific party, not specific politician. It's the nature of government itself, which is why mm -hmm. the libertarian belief is that at the very least, we need as minimal a government as feasibly possible in order to only have a government that if it is even to exist, because I'm an anarcho-capitalist, I believe that everything is best provided through a, a, a market, uh, through market-derived means and market sets free mm -hmm. than from any kind of coercive monopoly. But, you know, if you're, say, a, more of a constitutionalist or, or minarchist uh, libertarian, which is fine, at the mm -hmm. very least, Government should only exist under the consent of the people, and it should only exist to protect the lives and rights and property of the people. And that's it. Not get involved in any of these other things, because inevitably, when you centralize that kind of power without levels of accountability to go with it, it is going, even if so, even if all the people in government, we suddenly are able to find a crop of politicians who have only the best of uh, intentions <laughs> for all of us. They couldn't under the right scenarios. <laughs> Under just the right scenarios, and Utopia. they're all also geniuses, they couldn't possibly know as well as the average person what that person needs. They couldn't know. There's no way for them to have sufficient knowledge uh, uh, to be able to do that. And of course, we know that that kind of power often attracts some of the stupidest and most craven people and most yeah. greedy people who will use that power to enrich themselves and their buddies that put them in office. Sure. So that's really the libertarian take on it. Um, I, I really appreciate you guys having me on the show. Uh, like fun. I said, if uh, uh, this, this coming week, Weekend, the uh, the fifth, sixth, and seventh, I will be in Kentucky um, for uh, a training event. I'll also be throwing an opening pitch at a uh, at a professional baseball yeah. game in, uh, in what, Florence, what team? Kentucky. What team? Uh, it's the Florence Yalls. It's a so it's an independent professional team, which I'm told is like in between minor league and major league. Yep. Um, it's it's sort of in between there. So I'm going to be practicing throwing a baseball basically for the next few days because I just I just want it not to bounce when it yes. gets to them. That's pretty much it. I just want it not to bounce. Um, and so if you, uh, anyone wants to, to come out and see anything that I'm doing, uh, my events are regularly updated. My schedule events on spikecohen.com. You can go there and see my up to, uh, my up to, uh, up to the minute or up, up to date, uh, schedule of events. And if I'm coming out to your area, come on out and, and, and meet me. Um, I'm on Facebook, I'm on Twitter, I'm on Instagram, I'm on YouTube, I'm on TikTok for the kids. Uh, and I'm also on Muddy Waters Media. My show is My Fellow Americans and the Muddy Waters of Freedom on Tuesday and Wednesday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern, uh, or you can watch every episode by going to muddiedwatersmedia.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. And I know Mark does too. And Seriously, I, I can't thank you enough. And I, uh, it, thank you. I apologize for the initial delay uh, getting on here. Yeah, and I, I really, you know, I really appreciate you discussing all these things. And, you know, in the right scenarios, I think all of us would do a lot better. But it, it's really that's that thing. It's the utopia. Yeah. Yep. So right. uh, hoping that works out for all of us. Uh, we all appreciate the listeners out there uh, diving into some really heavy issues with us. Uh, keep in mind, we're going to try to do this at least a week, uh, at least weekly. Um, and uh, for all of you, we thank you. Abstract here. Abstract there. Transmissions.